You might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. You know I'm right. Nick Durst here with Joe Calabrese. Joe, our guest today has been well-traveled. But Houston, we don't have a problem. We do have someone who is well-known in Texas with us here today. Yes, he is. Uh, Very interesting resume. Has experience doing on-air stuff. Uh, being a reporter, play-by-play broadcaster for CBS Sports. Uh, He's worked as the public dress announcer for the Harlem Globetrotters. Worked a cup of coffee for WWE under his alias Alex Reyes, and he's currently the sports director for KARGV-TV in Westlico, Texas. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Uh, but we are very happy to have him on, Uh, Mr. Alex Del Barrio. Alex, welcome. How are you doing? Fellas, I'm I'm um, I'm glad to be here. Uh, it is right. You didn't write Westlake, Texas. It kind of covers Westlake is just the town that it's in, but it kind of covers that whole South Texas Rio Grande Valley area here on the border. But uh, but yeah, man, uh, jack of all trades. You guys did your homework. I, I was glad to hear you say Harlem Globetrotters because that was probably one of my favorite gigs uh, in my career. But uh, glad to be on, man. Yeah, absolutely. So usually what we do is we go from the beginning of your career to the end, but. I want to talk about your current job real quick because you started right in the middle of the pandemic, uh, you know, sports director. What was that like, you know, just come in there starting and like, how were you coming up with stories to cover uh, initially? Yeah, it was a, it was a kind of a weird thing. Cause I had no plans of ever getting back into local news, but uh, cause I was doing the CBS sports thing. But when that shut down sports, you know, it's hard to call games when there aren't any games happening. So um, and you also saw a lot of TV stations kind of around the country kind of like either eliminate their sports departments or like put them on hiatus because there was nothing, nothing for them to cover. Most of what I did when I came in, I, I started here at KRGV in June, which it's the third different station in the market that I've, I've worked in. And it just so happened my former news director at one of my previous stops was the news director here. He kind of gave me a call because the sports director was leaving for an unrelated kind of issue. He was he was moving to a different market with his with his fiance who got a, a job. And um, I kind of told him I wasn't really interested. I you know, play by play thing is kind of going here. And, you know, I was kind of in a good financial situation. I didn't really want to do it. Um, and then he kind of convinced me the station here. It's, it was the number one station in the market, blah, 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 blah. And so he convinced me to join. But when I got in, it was June and everything was shut down still. Um, most of our stories were kind of related to when are we coming back? Um, it, there was a lot of controversy, I think, with high school sports here. Texas is obviously a big football state. High school football is obviously a big deal and a big moneymaker for a lot of these school districts. So it was important that there was some sort of football being played. So we did a lot of stories on what what will the stadiums be like, You know, how many fans will be allowed in the stands, uh, and we have 50 high schools in, in our footprint here. So we have a lot to, to talk to. Everyone kind of does things differently. The big schools started later. The small schools started earlier. 
So there were a lot of kind of like little stories kind of along the way on what could happen, what will happen, and now what are the precautions being taken? So it was it was certainly interesting. And then once we got, you know, to the, you know, to the NBA playoffs and once baseball started up, you know, at least we had something to kind of kind of get us through but it was a wild high school football season where games were canceled and postponed and games being played on mondays and wednesdays and thursdays and saturdays just to kind of get get a season in it was uh it was a pretty interesting year to say the least um you know taking over a new gig and kudos to you for doing it during a pandemic um so at the top i listed uh just a few of the, the things that you've done over the course of your career and again it's very colorful very different yeah. very diverse uh, Nick and I tend to ask this question a lot to people that we have on the podcast. Uh, the question of the agent, because getting that Harlem Globetrotters gig is very hyper-specific and uh, maybe something that I don't know if you, you got on your own or not, but uh, do you have an agent? Uh, do you think an agent is very helpful in the process of, of being able to land these, these gigs? So um, I'll answer both parts of that. I do have an agent, but I only, I've only had an agent for a little less than a year now. Um, I've been on my own kind of uh, my entire career up until that point. In fact, I started with CBS without an agent. Um, I, I'll tell you what Ian Eagle told me after I started with CBS and I, I called and asked him for some advice. And he said, you know, you've reached the threshold where an agent is kind of necessary. And while it, you know, and I think Andrew Catalan kind of echoed the same thing. It's like, yeah, it bothers you to write that check every month. But when, when you get to a point, a, a certain level, there's people in your, you need someone in your corner um, and need someone that kind of knows when there's going to be opportunities before they kind of come up. And I think that's the benefit of having an agent and then also kind of going to bat for you when it comes to salary, because I think there's a lot of us that are in the dark at what other folks are making salary wise. So yes, I have an agent. Uh, I'm with Max Talent. Uh, Sean Wyman is my agent. He used to be in the talent office at ESPN. I uh, love him. He's, he's great. Um, but yeah, all, all the stuff that I did before WWE, uh, Harlem Globetrotters did that uh, kind of all on my own. Um, the Globetrotters is kind of a funny thing. You know, I was, I was working in, in sports information for the local university here and I was sick and tired of that job because I was the single SID and there was, we had 16 varsity sports. It was just, it was just awful. Um, and I wanted to get back into announcing and I just kind of, you know, blind sent my demo out a bunch of different places. I'd got a call back then from WWE, but they were looking for Spanish announcers and, uh, you know, Spanish is not my forte. And then I got a call back from the Globetrotters and, um, you know, I went to training camp. I actually quit my job before a promise of a job. Wow. I went to training camp to audition. Uh, we had to be there for two weeks is one of the reasons why I had to quit my job. Uh, and I got a contract within three days and that was an awesome, you know, two year, two and a half year experience. Um, the only reason I didn't stick around with that gig is because they only paid you when you're on tour. It's like being a roadie for a band, you know, like you, you're not on tour. You got to find something else to do, um, you know, to pay the bills. So, um, but yeah, I, I would say to answer your question about necessary, I think there's a necessary point that you reach where if you want to get to a higher level or if you want to, you know, increase the amount of money in your, in your paycheck, um, but I, I do think that there is benefits if you're a grinder and work hard enough, um, to find gigs on your own networks will hire you, you know, ESPN, I, I know guys have gotten hired by ESPN without having an agent. I know people who have been hired for network, you know, uh, level or O and O TV jobs, sports anchor jobs without an agent. So it just kind of depends on kind of where you're at. An agent can also help you like craft different things or change different things, uh, fine tune different things about you. So, 
Um, it, it just kind of all depends. I would say it, it depends on the person. It depends on where you're at. I would say if you're in your first or second job, you probably don't need one. But if you're in that second job and you think you're ready for a big jump, then maybe it's time to start shopping. That's great advice. And I mean, everybody has different stories and it's pretty incredible. Like you worked at such big places, um, put out the agent at first. So kudos to you with your hard work. When did you decide you wanted to pursue the path of a career in broadcast journalism? Was it when you got to college or beforehand or when you were younger? Yeah, it was about when I was in the ninth grade. I, I took a, I, I took a media class. It was kind of like a, a, a bunch of different tech stuff all mixed in one course and part of it what one of the one of the segments of it was djing like like djing at a radio station and uh I, that's where i got my first kind of kick of it and then we did this kind of like charity basketball game where our coaches faced off against some of the local uh tv personalities and we brought the speakers out we you know when we kind of did like a whole like you know, Chicago Bulls, you know, pump up the crowd type of stuff, played the jock jams. And then I did the announcing for that. And that kind of kind of gave me the jolt to want to, you know, be involved in sports using my voice. And, and, and I was kind of interested in doing the PA and the play by play. Um, and then, you know, when I got to high school, I was I was a sports editor of the T, uh, of the of the student newspaper. Uh, I did the morning announcements and things like that. And I played on the basketball team. So I kind of put all those things together. I went to Boston U because they had a great uh, communications program. And, um, you know, that's kind of where it all kind of started was kind of in the ninth grade. So I kind of like tried to make decisions along the way that were kind of help me um, kind of follow my dreams. And, and, you know, whether it was uh, going to school in Boston, whether it was trying to find a minor league baseball job while I was still in school um, and trying to just add on different things as I was, I was making my path along the way, I'll try to call a few high school games here and there, try to add some college basketball on the side, whatever it was, I tried to just add little bits to my career and to my reel so that I could, you know, then go after the next job and the next thing. So yeah, it started pretty early. Nice. So why don't you, you know, I'm interested to hear how you, you got your first on-air gig, whether it's freelance or their internship, whatever it happened today, how did you get that first opportunity and what was the audition and application process like? Uh, so my first on-air job, I would say were paid on-air job. Like my first job in sports was as a public address announcer for an independent minor league team here uh, in the area. Um, but I used kind of that opportunity that I, that I got um, basically how I got that job and it kind of helped me get my first play by play job is um, I was here down here locally um, for a year, my sophomore year, I left Boston, came back here to Texas and spent my sophomore year here. And I kind of just marched into the athletics department and say, Hey, I want to be a PA guy for you guys, whether it's women's basketball, men's basketball, fill in baseball, whatever. Um, you know, and I already had some opportunity. I did a little bit in high school, so it, it wasn't hard for them, me to convince them because I had some experience already, even in Boston, my freshman year, I was doing some men's soccer. I was doing some wrestling. Um, so I, I had already done an, a, a lot of PA at, at a decent level. So I, I started filling in um, for their main PA guy and I would, I would do a little of that. And then um, basically one of the baseball games I announced um, the GM of the local minor league team. And we actually had two minor league teams kind of in the same market uh, at the time, in the same in the indie league. He came and he heard me and he offered me the job because they were looking for a new PA announcer. And so I did that for a summer and both of those teams actually happened to have the same owner. Wow. So after I did uh, one summer, I went back to Boston 
Uh, I started doing more play-by-play for the student radio station. And then the other team in the market was the, the last team standing because the other team folded the one that I was working for. So I, I started work. Uh, I started kind of emailing their GM and, and saying, Hey, you know, are you guys going to do radio? Cause they had never done radio before. So I started kind of asking for opportunities, internships. Is there anything I can do? Um, can we stream the games if you're not on the radio? Like, and this was in the early stages of kind of streaming. Um, and, it, and honestly, I just kind of pestered them enough to, to say, Hey, we're, you know, we're going to have, um, you know, a radio opportunity here. And the first, it was the first year of four years of the franchise that they actually traveled a radio announcer. Um, the other teams in the league kind of did it and they thought it was important to kind of take that next step. So, so we did that. It was my first on-air job. It was, it was kind of like an internship, a paid internship slash media relations, what, whatever. But for the first time, that position was also the broadcaster. So I did 90, I think it was 96 games that first year. So it was great experience to do that many games. I was maybe 21 years old at the time. So I got a lot of experience kind of doing that. And, um, you know, that I did that for a couple of years. And then I finally got an opportunity to do Texas Pan Americans men's basketball on the radio at a sports talk show. So each kind of little opportunity kind of like beget the next one as, as, you know, there was really sports was kind of growing in the market. Mm-hmm. There was no, there was no sports arena. And then they built a sports arena and a hockey team came into town and we had arena football. So I started doing a little bit of that. Um, you know, I'd already done some hockey when I was in Boston. So I was able to kind of fill in on, on hockey here. So, so yeah. So the first thing was just kind of like me kind of emailing and, you know, getting experience anywhere I could uh, student radio. And obviously with the athletic department doing PA and, and just kind of, uh, you know, sending emails and, and just being, being uh, persistent without being a pest. I'll, I'll say, I'll just say it that way. No, you got you to make your own paths at times and appreciate, you know, the hard work you put in there. Now, before there was the, the glamorous Gatorade, Gatorade G League, yeah. there was the NBA D League. When yeah. No glitz, no glam. You were there in <laughs> 2007. We were at the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. What was that experience like for you? You spent quite I some loved time it. There. I, I loved it, man, because I because I wanted to be in the NBA. The NBA is still my goal. Actually, that the jersey behind me is, is the is the Vipers from when we won in, in 2010. Um, it was a great experience, man. I I, I because of that opportunity, I, I I still believe that that opportunity gave me the opportunity to now be with CBS, even though it was all the way back in 2007. And the reason I say that is, is I was, I was one of only two broadcasters in the league that traveled. Everybody else only did home radio and then they would just take the other team's feed for their local radio. Um, so that was one benefit in my favor. Um, so I got to you know travel. People got to see me more. I would go to the D league showcase and interact with the league uh, officials. So everyone kind of knew who I was um, and kind of, you know, one of the, most important things about broadcasting and just kind of you can be good. I think there's a lot of people who are really good and it's, it's the networking aspect of things and kind of doing that efficiently and taking opportunities to network in the right way because people recognize you and they recognize your name when it comes in an email, recognize your resume and they're willing to listen to your demo no matter what, unless, you know, cause you could get stuck in a, a stack of 200 demos and they may listen to the first 25 and think they fi- found someone or there's a relationship that causes a guy, some, someone to get a job. So that was beneficial for me. And I think the experience too is the league was much smaller then. It's, I think there's 29 teams now, maybe 27 teams. Um, you know, I know a bunch of them opted out this year, but uh, 
it was it was it was a very different league because the the NBA hadn't kind of fully bought in to the D League. You know, there were some teams that kind of didn't use it at all, and then where we were, you know, we were an affiliate with the Rockets. The Rockets kind of, along with the Thunder, uh, the Lakers, and the Spurs, they were kind of like the innovators of using the D League to kind of their advantage and developing players. And then they were kind of the ones that allowed the league to grow uh, and, and things of that sort. And for me, that allowed me opportunities to, when Turner wanted to start doing the D-League showcase on NBA TV, we had it here in South Padre Island, just down the road. And, you know, that gave me my first opportunity to do TV. Um, you know, I did those games solo. I think I did eight games uh, over the course of four days. Uh, and then I did some the next year when it was in Reno. So that gave me the TV tape that gave me the experience of working with producers who work for Turner and just working with people in my ear for the first time um, and working with replays and things like that. So that experience kind of gave me the, the jump start, at least from a TV perspective, even though I didn't, I wouldn't do TV play by play full time until what much later in my career, at least it gave me the experience and the demo because that demo that I got from doing this showcase in 2011 was the demo that I showed CBS back in 2016 which eventually gave me an opportunity in 2019 so things kind of happen you know they don't happen at the pace you want them to but you know sometimes an opportunity previously will help you get one in the future absolutely uh so we want to get back to the globe trotters here because i want to know uh what the audition process was like And, and i guess um, when we do WWE, you could elaborate on that for us too. But for yeah. the Globetrotters, what did they ask for specifically? Because I imagine they're, they're asking for specific traits and uh, kind of like little things that, you know, maybe not other people are very accustomed to doing, like very high energy people, maybe yeah. you need more of a character. So uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So the Globetrotters kind of, the way I approached it initially was just kind of a basketball PA job. And I applied for other like NBA PA jobs in the past. Cause that's essentially what you're doing. But one of the things that I think helped me stand out one is at the time, the announcer was also the person that ran the music kind of during the show. So you had a computer that also ran, ran the different sound effects and the music beds and all that stuff that kind of were all part of the, uh, the instrument of the show. Right. Um, so you're part of it. So you're almost like producer, director, slash talent, slash, you know, whatever. Um, so when I would do PA at the minor league level, I, I did the same thing. I would run the, the music and, you know, play the right sound effects at the right times. So I made sure to make note of that. Cause I think when I sent my demo, it was just kind of a basic basketball announcing demo. So when I heard back from them, they said, Hey, we like your stuff. Can you send us anything else? So what I did is I, I jumped on YouTube and I looked at people who had recorded elements of the show from when, you know, fans would just go and they'd record the magic circle or they record like a different, you know, um, part or ream in, inside the show. And um, basically all the kind of the, the, the stuff that I knew that they did every single show, I typed it all out or made a script and found the music that they would use. And I downloaded that. And I basically made a demo doing their show using my voice. Um, so I, I just did all of the elements. That, and I think there were three or four elements that I, I kind of pulled. And it kind of gave me a, enough for about five minutes of, of demo uh, material. 
So I basically recorded that, perfected it, edited it, and to make sure all the music came in at the right time. And uh, I sent that off. And then sure enough, they called and they said, hey, we'd like to like you to come out. It's a part-time position, but you need to audition. So, and I think the audition is more along the lines of, does this guy fit into our culture? Is this guy weird? Is this guy right. like, you know, is this guy going to flake on us? Because, it, you know, it's a tour job and they need someone yeah. that's going to be on the road from, from December 25th all the way until the middle of April or to the middle of May. And um, not everyone can handle kind of that lifestyle and, and all that. So you not go to training camp and it's just to a part-time job either. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, so, so they want to bring you out and make sure you kind of like, are engaging and you're willing to learn and you're willing to like shut your mouth and stay quiet, you know, and, and listen and kind of take it all in and not kind of be too big for your britches. Cause that's, I think another thing that happens is they'll get guys with great resumes, but they kind of think they're the show and the show is not about you. The show is about the Globetrotters. They're, you know, they're what people are paying tickets to see, paying money to buy tickets to see. Um, so, once I kind of went through that for a few days, they kind of run you through the rigors of, of what the show is. And they, you know, you know, try not to give too much away here, but you know, they give you kind of like the rundown of what the show is and they assign you with a group and it's your job to kind of, as the players are learning the show, you're learning the show. And, uh, and then they just kind of throw you out there and say, all right, go ahead, give it a try. It's because you're sitting there watching like the veteran announcers and seeing what they do. And then they, you get a shot at it. And the first time, first couple times is certainly nerve wracking. But once, once you get through kind of a, a certain threshold, once you get through like that first quarter, everything becomes easy. Everything slows down for you. It's kind of like a, a, you know, a play, you know, a player that goes from college to the NBA, right? The game is so much faster and they're maybe their first game. They, they don't realize how much faster it is. But after that first game and second game, you're, you know, you're fine. It's kind of the same things. Like the show moves so fast than what you're used to, because there's so much happening all at one time and you're running the music and you're talking and you're making sure to you remember all the players' names and all that stuff. Uh, so yeah, once you get all through that, it, it slows down for you, it becomes easier. And then once they realize that, Hey, we like this guy, you know, they, they kind of set you down and said, Hey, we want you to be on tour with us. And I actually, it was a part-time position. And then they eventually made it a full, uh, the guy who one of the, full-time guys left the tour and I got promoted to full-time before I ever went on tour. So uh, it, it worked out. It was, it was an amazing experience. I went to 26 different countries in two and a half wow. years. I uh, went on a military tour, which was amazing to a bunch of military bases out in Europe, uh, in Europe. I uh, went to China three times. It was just uh, incredible, incredible experience. And I, you know, I wish I would have done it a little bit earlier in my career, gotten a chance to do it a little earlier in my career. Cause I probably would have done it for a good seven or eight years. Um, because yeah, I would have found something to do during the off season, but uh, it was an amazing experience. During your time there, did you personally ever take the bucket of confetti to to your face? <laughs> and did the Washington Generals ever come close to beating the Globetrotters in your time there? Uh, well, we didn't play the Generals uh, when I was when I was there. We played the uh, in, uh, Global Select and the International Elite because when I was there, um, it was during the NBA lockout. There was an NBA lockout at the time. Um, so our boss at the time, our CEO, who had been formerly a chief marketing officer for WWE came in and said, the storyline for this year is that we are going to be playing for the world championship. There's no one else playing for the world championship right now. So the Globetrotters every night all around the world, they're going to be the barnstorming world champions. 
Um, so basically the international elite was this team that kind of won this huge international tournament and now earned the right to play the globe trotters for the world championship. We had a big trophy and everything. Um, so no, they didn't, uh, they didn't come uh, Well, I shouldn't say that because a lot of the games were close two point, one point, three point games. In fact, if you go to the games now, um, I would not to say that they're orchestrated, but the games are much closer than they were, say, in the mid mid 90s, early 2000s. The games are much closer, much more exciting at the end. Um, and I will say too, um, the confetti bucket, I did not ever take the confetti bucket. Um, yeah, there was pretty strict rules to kind of like leave the announce table alone and worry about kind of Perfect. do that towards the fans or do it to somebody else because we see it every night so it's right. not like something to do exactly yeah now you know after this you're making the move eventually you're, you're, you're getting hooked up in wrestling here first with reality of wrestling and then wwa did you grow up a wrestling fan and why did you decide i want to pursue a career in wrestling here and ultimately you know how did the opportunity to audition combat with wwa where you're just sending you know stuff to somebody who works there how did that all come to date for you so um you guys know uh, are familiar with rich brennan um yep. rich, rich bokini was the real name so rich and i are best friends rich actually was the hockey announcer here down in south texas for the real grand valley killer bees so we actually worked together we called hockey games on a televisa station across the border that would air the hockey games in english so eventually we both ended up in Houston. I had left the Globetrotters after a couple of years and actually took Rich's gig doing part-time uh, sports flashes and, you know, reporting for Sports Radio 610 in Houston. And at the time, prior to me moving to Houston, I had started helping out Booker T's reality of wrestling um, because I saw him put a post up on Twitter. Hey, we're looking for a new play-by-play guy and looking for a new announcer um, you know, send us your reel. So I sent a reel and I eventually, you know, auditioned with Booker and we did basically he pulled a laptop out and they air, put an episode of the show. And I basically was sitting on the couch in his office and I called uh, the wrestling show right off of a laptop. Uh, and man, I, I stressed for like, a, like three or four days because I literally went back and watched maybe half of the episodes they had done to that point. So I knew the names and the finishers and, and the storylines, et cetera. Um, so he got, I got the job. So I, I did a, a couple of shows for him, but I was still with the trotters at the time. So I did a couple of shows cause they would tape basically a month's worth of shows at one taping. Angie's list is now Angie and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes and connect with top local pros who can get the job done. Right. Plus you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot You might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. And um, so I was good for a few months. And then in December came and I'm like, hey, book, I'm, I'm going back on tour. 
So um, I left and they were fine for a couple of months. And then Rich eventually started doing their show because I recommended him. And then they, they had an interaction because uh, Rich was working for Comcast Sportsnet there in Houston as a PR guy. So they met and, and eventually he started doing their show and eventually he gets an audition and he gets to go to WWE, right? Uh, I come back, I work for Booker for maybe a couple of shows. It didn't really work out because I was looking for something more full time. Uh, he was looking for someone to spend a little bit more time with the wrestling than I was able to do. And um, so I thought that was kind of the end of it. I thought I was just going to do the sports talk and play by play thing. And uh, so Rich is up there. He's there for about a year, year and a half. And then I go visit him. Um, it was uh, it was a, a weekend in December when they were doing take they were doing a taping one. Uh, they were doing takeover and then a taping the next day. Um, and it was the, 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 it was actually the takeover where Sami Zayn, um, beats, uh, Neville for the, for the NXT championship. Um, I think our evolution was, I think it was what it was called. So it was one of the best shows, biggest shows that they've ever, that they did at the time. It was like the biggest show. And it was, it was actually Rich's first, uh, live NXT takeover. He was the first time he was doing a takeover special. So I went down to go visit him and sure enough, like when I go visit him, I had no intentions of like meeting anybody or any of that stuff. I was just kind of going as a fan. I was going to sit in the stands and then, and then just hang out with him. Um, and then I meet the live event producer and because Rich kind of introduces us. Uh, whether he ha had a thought in mind to introduce us, I don't know. Um, but we, he introduced us and they say, oh, where, where, are you, where are you from? I was like, I'm in Texas, whatever. I used to work for the Globetrotters, blah, 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 blah. And uh, that's kind of where it all started. He gave me his card. He said, keep in touch. We don't have anything right now. Um, you know, because I did kind of express – do you are you guys ever going to be looking for announcers do you guys ever have need fill-ins type of thing whatever uh he's like no not at the moment but we're all honestly we're always looking because you never know you know from one day to the next so it went from there until about four or five months later and then um then they were kind of looking they had hired greg hamilton at, at, at already um but greg was already kind of making the fast track to the main roster so uh, they were looking for someone to kind of take over down in NXT because Rich was already getting called up as well. So uh, it just so happens that, that Cole and the live event producers, they, they liked my stuff and they wanted to bring me in and they brought me in. I went to uh, an audition. I think it was in April of 2015. Uh, just went down. You know, I, I was in the booth with Cole for a little bit. I actually didn't call any matches. I was just kind of there because Cole and King were working on the video game. And then I did an audition in the ring kind of the next day, went to a TV taping and then, and then kind of flew out. And then I didn't hear anything for maybe a month, two months. And then Cole kind of said, Hey, we're going to sign you. Um, so that's kind of how it all happened. It just kind of like serendipitously happened. You know, Rich and I were friends. I got to got into wrestling first previously. I actually, hired rich to ring the bell for a live event you know here in here in south texas one time we were looking for a timekeeper and i was ring announcing for a show so I, I had done a bunch of little indie shows here and there and rich had done some indie shows here and there as a referee and stuff so yeah i mean we were always fans uh we used to watch the pay-per-views at a local bar here um so just just kind of things like that and just kind of things just kind of worked themselves out and they just kind of happened we we still kind of laugh about it to this day like how the out of these two yahoos that, that called minor league hockey together in basically in Mexico uh, end up at WWE, but uh, it, it happened. And he, he had a nice little run. He was the voice of SmackDown for a little bit. My run did not last as long, but, um, but we had a good time, you know, while we were there, you know, we certainly lived the childhood dream um, for at least a little bit of time. And obviously he's still involved with wrestling. Uh, he did MLW for quite a bit. I think he works for defy and stuff now. 
Um, you know, and I, I'm not as involved in wrestling, obviously now. Um, I have been to a few AEW shows backstage as a guest of Jim Ross. You know, I would say never say never, but you know, I I think they've got a pretty well set uh, announced crew at least for the time being. But I know Alex, they keep they keep adding new shows every day. I, they do keep adding new shows, and I think I think that's the interesting thing that I keep I, I keep wanting to go back to them. But uh, but uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, you know, I've kind of like uh, liked the direction I'm on with the college hoops and and some of the other things, and I've gotten really close to some some really really good hoops gigs. Um, so I think that's that's the path kind of I'm taking right now. But never say never. I mean, you have a lot of really great Hall of Fame talent from Booker T, Michael Cole, Jim Ross. Evidently, they all liked your stuff. So uh, give yourself a nice pat on the back. Uh, much more talented than you probably <laughs> gave yourself credit for in the description. Uh, I would like to ask at the top, I said your name uh, in WWE was Alex Reyes. So when we had Art on, we asked about that whole process and the list of names you get. Uh, was it similar for you? Uh, how did your, no, man, I got screwed on the whole, I got screwed on the whole name thing, man. I I got screwed. Here's, here's my name story. Cause for some reason, everyone seems to think that this is the same process for everyone. No, everyone ends up with a fake name except for Kathy Kelly. I don't know how that, how she got to keep her name, but, uh, (laughs) but everyone's name thing is different. Right. So like the way it worked for me is, uh, they told me I was being hired and he, and Cole was like, come up with a list of like 10 or 11 last names. You can keep the name Alex, um, that you would like for your name to be. So I gave him a bunch of names. Like, you know, um, like my, my, I have a cousin who was a, was a radio DJ for a long time as you know, Leah Bravo was her last name. Bravo was her last name. So I put Bravo on the list and I put Del Bravo on the list. Uh, I put, I put, uh, Garza because, um, my grandmother's maiden name was Garza. Um, I put a bunch of things on there, stuff that like meant a lot to me. And they kind of said, that's kind of the way to go is, you know, try to try to find something um, that kind of fits that, that you're proud of. That's maybe not your real name. So I went through that whole process. I gave them a bunch of, a bunch of names (laughs) and uh, I sent it off and I didn't hear anything. And then I was like at the, I had already signed. And then I get an email while I'm at the takeover event that I'm at, this was before I started, but they flew me in a couple of times to be, you know, just to be around. So people would get to know me or whatever. And I get an email saying from Cole and Cole's like literally five feet away from me because he (laughs) he gets an, he gets an email from legal and legal. And then he forwards the email out to like everyone, like, like triple H, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and it's like, and his name is Alex Reyes. And I'm like, this wasn't even on the list. Like I, this not even close. Apparently Hunter picked it. Apparently Hunter's like, ah, we'll just call him Reyes or whatever. And what's funny is like they went through all this pro- you know process to pick a name, making sure no one had it, and making sure there was no prominent personality that had it. Well, like there was an issue because like a- there's an Alex Reyes at the time he was in the Cardinals minor league system as one of the top prospects. He's in the big leagues now. Um, and-, and so there was an issue that came up, and I guess Hunter's they told Hunter this, and uh, Hunter apparently told Cole or told Legal. Something along the lines. Well, it's not like we're gonna make T-shirts for the guy, so let's just like, let's call him Alex Reyes. I don't, I don't know why he thought of that. Maybe because it means kings, um, but what? Whatever. That's how I ended up with with Alex Reyes. It was not my choice. It wasn't on my list. Uh, so, so you're telling me there's no pro wrestling tees uh, Alex Reyes merch out there? No, there is. There, there's not. Except a couple of the fans like like. <laughs> 
there were big fans actually had Alex Reyes signs and put like after Dillinger put that three in my, my jacket that one time, uh, everyone put Alex Reyes is, is in the three um, at some of the live <laughs> events in, in Florida, which was, I, I thought was kind of cool, but, um, but yeah, there's no, uh, there's no Alex Reyes t-shirts uh, flying around somewhere. Now as an announcer in WWE, I mean, I, I would think, you know, put money aside, you want to be uh, working NXT because you just get to San Orlando, you're in Orlando, you don't have to leave Orlando, you don't have to travel. What was your take on that on the whole situation living in Orlando? Man, man a lot of people want to want to go on the main roster. I did not want to go on the main roster. I think when I got there, obviously everyone wants to be on Raw and SmackDown, whatever. But once you get to NXT, and you realize kind of the the corporate environment is away from you, and the BS is away from you. You want to stay in NXT as long as you want. Here's what happened to me. The, the BS came from Stanford down to Florida because that's when uh, Mike Mansuri, who was one of the main di- directors, uh, who was kind of like, he's no longer with the company, but he was kind of like the number two to Kevin Dunn and Tom Phillips were brought down to Florida. Um, Tom had just been removed off of SmackDown. Rich replaced him. So they brought Tom back to NXT at the time he was going to split shows with rich again. And then that didn't happen. And Tom started calling NXT again, but Tom was doing like the same Florida live events that I was doing. So it felt like at least initially that it was going to be a demotion for Tom. Uh, That's not what it was. Tom became kind of my boss, um, which wasn't kind of the way it was explained to me when I got signed. Um, So that's where the problem started. The first two or three months I was there was great because Tom didn't move there until January. When when Tom got there, that's when things kind of just veer off uh, veer off for me because uh, I started getting buried in emails apparently because I was for some reason I was in trouble for something every single week after after Tom got back. But 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 the live events were fun because it was like all Florida fans they they loved their NXT and this was the time where like they were they were still barely starting all the touring um, you know the NXT touring where there'd be an A show, which would be like the NXT champion and the tag team champion and the women's champion. And then kind of like folks that weren't on TV would wrestle the Florida shows. Um, but it would, I, I, you know, I had a tremendous um, experience writing the town because I was a wrestling fan. So I loved the wrestling part about it and the wrestling people in the company um, to this day, you know, tell, tell me that, you know, either not that they wish I was still there. Cause there's a lot of people that get released. I'm, I'm low, low, low on the totem pole of people that have been there that probably still deserve to be there. Um, but they, but they, but they tell me things like, you know, we enjoyed having you here, blah, 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 blah. You know, um, especially right after I got released. Um, so the wrestling people, I got a lot of respect from the wrestling people and that's what mattered to me because I was a wrestling fan. I'd always want to been, wanted to be kind of accepted by that culture. And I, I feel like I accomplished that during the time that I was there. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, like I said, you mentioned you, you lived the boyhood dream and there's so much wrestling going on right now. So, uh, you know, like they say in wrestling, never say never. We, we, we could be seeing you back. Who knows, Joe? He could be lying to us right now. He might be doing like AEW after dark, extra dark, early morning, <laughs> something on TBS. Very funny real soon. We'll see about that. Now, after WWE, you, you're a sports director. Then you're doing you're doing radio, and you know eventually we mentioned earlier you're doing play by play for CBS Sports. What are the biggest differences in your preparation when it comes to doing TV, doing play by play, and doing radio? Um, well, you're talking about like play by play. The differences doing play by play TV, play by play radio. 
differences between doing play-by-play versus doing what you're doing now as a sports director, being on TV versus doing radio, like a radio broadcast? Uh, well, I mean, everything, everything's kind of done very differently. Like radio, you're trying to find topics that you can have a conversation about stuff that'll generate interest, stuff that'll generate um, stuff on the text line and on, you know, on Twitter and things like that. And stuff that you can have a good banter with, with whoever your co-host is. Most of the, most of the time when I hosted in Houston, in fact, all the time I hosted in Houston, I had a co-host. So we would come up with the kind of the topics together. We'd build the show out. We had specific segments where we wanted to do interviews and things like that. So we'd build out the rundown and kind of do, do it that way. We try to stay as local as possible. Um, they try to stay as much involved with the NFL and, and the, and the Texans as possible when I was in Houston. Um, so, so I would say, I would say for that, like you kind of, you kind of prep in, in, but not in a way that kind of, you need to have a bunch of different stats, unless there's something, some soliloquy you want to go into about a certain player statistic being undervalued or whatever, you just kind of want to drum up interest. So you go to the text line a lot, you try to, you know, figure out ways to kind of be engaging and you also have to be ready to kind of pivot. And that I think sports talk more than anything is just about reps and, um, and just working with different people and trying to find a rhythm with, with, with different co-hosts and things like that. So prep for that. I, I consider actually pretty easy as long as you watch sports and as long as you kind of know what's going on. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Within a good couple hours before the show, you can be topical. You can be someone that kind of knows what's going on in the sports world at the time, things that people are talking about. And it's important to be on social media and open up your tweet deck on a laptop or an iPad and just kind of find and figure out what people are talking about at the time and what they want to talk about, because ultimately that's, what's going to keep people listening for TV. Um, at least for sports anchoring, you know, it's very hyper local. So you're doing a lot of high school stuff and you're doing a lot of local college, local pro, whatever. So it's just a matter of just kind of staying in tune with what's happening. Um, you know, and I kind of, you got to have to develop an understanding of what's important and what's kind of not important. Um, on a given week, like, you know, during football season, football kind of takes priority. So you're, you're trying to map out what games you're going to cover for that Friday night, how you're going to build out your show, which is usually a lot, much longer sports segment between like 15 and 20 minutes when you usually get three minutes at six and 10. Um, so figuring out what games you're going to go to, what games are important, which teams are on top, which players that we need to cover because they may be division one athletes one day, etc. So it's it's mostly about like building good relationships with the coaches, getting um, getting in tune with how the pro and college teams are doing in regards to recruitment, and then it's kind of like just being organized more than anything. It's understanding what's happening on a given day, and how are you going to attack it from a coverage perspective? Because you usually don't have a lot of resources at the local TV level, so you have to figure out okay, what day is my weekend sports person working where they're you know going out to go shoot games for us or shoot reports or whatever. And then from there, you kind of like map out what the week's going to look like. Um, so, you know, when you transition to a different season or once football's over, you kind of have to readjust and, and figure out, okay, 
this day we're going to focus more on boys basketball then on Friday. We're going to focus more on girls basketball, et cetera. So it's a lot of like uh, making of decisions, organizing, looking at the calendar, and then just kind of making sure you're kind of aware at some of the big stories that are happening for play by play. It's very obviously specific. And the way CBS likes us, they like us to focus on the game. So um, even though like storytelling is a big part of play by play, and it's something that I've had to get better at uh, as I've started to do more TV, because you're not doing play by play like you would on the radio where it's super descriptive. You're doing more kind of like captions to a picture um, because people can see what's happening. So it's a lot of player ideas. Uh, it's a lot of like emphasis and, and changing your tone of voice and adding the energy when the moment is appropriate. And those are all things that I was always very good at. The storytelling aspect is where I've had to kind of get better. But one of the things I've enjoyed about CBS is that once you get some of the basic kind of like nuanced storylines, like this player, you know, you know, is a, you know, a grad transfer after winning a conference championship at this particular school, blah, 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 blah. Once you get those kind of like surfacey stories out of the way, and maybe there's like a really good story, like Jason Preston out of Ohio. And when, when, whenever you had an Ohio game, you, you know, Kevin Kugler kind of did a phenomenal job, like the best job ever of describing his wild story. But those are the types of stories that maybe take a little more time in the game, but sometimes you don't have that time. So once you get to the end of the second half and if the game is good, the kind of the game takes over and you have to kind of focus on telling the story of the game and recapping how we got here from the game. So it's a lot about paying attention. It's a lot about kind of making notes along of, okay, I did this story already, but I want to get to this one. So using your breaks um, is so important, but like it's kind of a chance to not only reset your brain, but kind of reset where you are um, as a crew Hey, did we cover this? Did we touch on this the way we wanted to? Hey, Tim, you know, or whoever my broadcast colleague is, like, is there something you want to get to? Is there something you want me to set you up for? Because it's it's all a show, right? It's all about like finding things to talk about that are important with the game, but also kind of like entertaining and stuff that'll draw fans in and make kind of make them listen that they weren't expecting to get out of just a, you know, a Bradley versus Loyola Chicago basketball game. So there's a lot of differences in the way it is, but ultimately uh, preparation is important. And I've actually had to get a lot better at preparation over the last five, six, seven years than when I started, uh, mostly because I was also the media relations guy for all these teams that I worked for. Um, so that was kind of my full-time job. So the broadcasting, I was like, rush just to get on the air, put the headset on and just call the game. And if, when you're doing radio, it's, that's kind of easy to do because you can just be overly descriptive and bring the energy and you're fine. Plus, nobody's listening anyway when it's minor league baseball. You're just it's you're doing you're basically doing it for the parents and you're doing it for the alumni. Um, so you're just trying to get as as good as you possibly can during that time. But as you reach a different level, the preparation kind of kicks in and you've got to go up a notch. And thankfully at CBS, we have a great research team that sends us little storylines that we can kind of get to. Producers are always super well prepared, and our analysts are always well prepared. And and, you know, and with this year being such an interesting year with COVID and us doing games from home and uh, teams being off and teams being, you know, two weeks in quarantine, et cetera, there was always something COVID related to bring to the table. But then it became about what's interesting that's not COVID related and trying to work that in. So um, to kind of answer your question, I know there's a lot happening there because of all the different kind of jobs that I've done. Um you know, preparation is just coming, kind of come down to just putting the time in to kind of know what you're getting into and, and try to execute the best way you can. Yeah. I think all three definitely have their differences. And I think you really hit the nail on the head 
a lot of really good practical professional insight to, to all three of those roles. So uh, Nick and I think you did a really good job. So we want to start wrapping this up here and we want to get to your favorite memories through the years. So you've been at CBS now, uh, now going on into eight years. You've got to cover a bunch of games, got to interview a bunch of players, coaches. Uh, were there any in particular that stood out in your mind through the years? And you could go back to your time working uh, with the D League. You could go back to your days with the Globetrotters, WWE, CBS, or maybe somebody came in while you were an acting director uh, one of the places you were working in Texas. But uh, do any just stand out to you through the years or, yeah. or ones that, that you were, were super proud of in the moment? Yeah, I'll give, I'll give you a, a few kind of real quick hitters. Uh, one, when we won the D-League championship in 2010, we won on a buzzer beater. Um, so it was kind of our first major sports championship. So I've got a chance to call two championship moments here, both for the Edinburgh Roadrunners, which is my first job. My first year in my first job, we won a league championship. Um, so getting a call a championship moment on the radio and baseball was fun. Obviously the 2010 G league championship, um, uh, for, for, for the Vipers, uh, with the Globetrotters getting a chance to do Madison square garden and the Staples center, um, wow. just to be able to say, you know, good evening, New York city, good evening, Los Angeles. Like, like there's not, you know, they always say that if you make it, make it in New York, if you make it in LA, you can make it anywhere. Um, so those were very important moments for me as a kid from a small town in South Texas, like to be able to, to walk into the world's most famous arena and get people cheering at the sound of your voice. Uh, and to have the, the, the operations manager of Madison square garden, ask you if you're local to, so they could use you, um, and have to unfortunately say no. Uh, that was kind of a, a fun kind of experience. I'll say for CBS, uh, just getting to do my first conference championship game. And it was a women's championship uh last season um in 2020 right before the pandemic um it was uh, boise state and fresno state uh so getting a chance to do that uh, was was awesome um to be able to kind of send a team to the ncaa tournament this year i got a chance to do the max semifinals which was awesome tremendous experience getting a chance to work with steve wolf but you know no one went to the ncaa tournament from those games the, well we sent someone to the ncaa tournament for the for that um for that women's championship i got a chance to do um, those kind of stick out of my mind in terms of like opportunities that I've gotten a chance to do. I think with WWE, just getting, getting a chance to, um, meet and become friends with Howard Finkel. Um, someone I looked up to for a long time, someone that like, uh, would call and ask how I was doing things like that. Um, that was, that was pretty cool to have that experience to, to get to know him a little bit, uh, after, you know, before he, before he passed, I never got a chance to meet Mean Gene or anything like that, but I'm proud and, and glad I got a chance to meet with Howard. Um, and, and then, you know, uh, you know, I mentioned the Globetrotters thing that I would say the, put the cherry on the Globetrotters, just doing that military tour and being able to perform for, for our troops. It, it was, it was meaningful. My, you know, I was never in the military, but my, almost my entire dad's side of the family and, and my, and my, even my mom's side of the family did the military, uh, either in the Navy or in the army. So getting a chance to kind of give back that way, um, was, was really special to me. And then uh, the last thing I'll say from 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 the sports radio side is is getting a chance to report from the World Series in 2017 with the Astros. I actually was covering it not for our station. I was covering it for um, for uh, the news station out in L.A. Uh, from a Dodgers perspective. But it was still cool to be there and get that World Series pin and all that stuff. So um, those are some of my you know 
there, there's count. I've been very blessed guys, man. I I've had the strangest career. If anybody looks, I'm sure you guys looked at my resume and like, how the heck does this guy do all these like non-related things like wrestling to, to globe, globe trotters to CBS sport. Um, I've been very blessed. Um, and I got a chance to kind of tackle a lot of really cool things throughout my career. I've been very lucky. And I know I've been very lucky. So I, I'm very proud of all those, you know, little moments along the way. That's why I'll always bring back, you know, covering, you know, high school state championship games, um, you know, for high school baseball when I'm a sports director, or getting a chance to, you know, do Madison Square Garden with the Globetrotter. All of those things, doesn't matter how high or how low, like if the story is fun, like that's memorable to me. Certainly very memorable interview here. Very unique career indeed. <laughs> a lot of really great different things, uh, but it makes for a great interview and you were a great guest. So uh, thank you again for doing this with us. We appreciate it. What we do here is we always give our guests the last words. So if there's anything else you would like to share or promote, I know you spoke a lot and covered a lot of things about your career, but if there's anything else, you know, go right ahead. The floor is yours. Alex, thanks again for doing this with us. Uh, Nick, Joe, I appreciate it. Uh, I know you've had some tremendous guests. I was actually surprised why you guys wanted to have me on in the first place, but I'm glad. Are I'm you on. kidding are you yeah, kidding? Uh, Come on. <laughs> this was, I mean, Alex, it was, a, it, you know, you were incredible at the incredible stuff. And I mean, for anybody listening out there, we'll quote Alex's foreign boss and say, can you dig it? <laughs> I mean, Alex, you, you've done it all. You, yeah, you're a five-time champion. Oh, we had to have you on. You're all yeah, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm honored to be on, guys. I'm, like I said, I'm very blessed. I will say that I'm trying to transition because uh, there's no local sports talk here and I'm dying to get back into it. Um, I'm actually transitioning into Twitch. Twitch is kind of doing um, a, a kind of a sports talk initiative uh, to try to kind of increase that um, visibility on the platform. I haven't started that yet. My, my, I'm, I'm a Twitch affiliate now, but it's mostly my video game stuff. But I would love for folks, if, if they want to, to follow me on twitch.tv uh, forward slash the Alex Del Barrio. You can follow me there. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, Alex Del Barrio. Um, you know, uh, I, I tweet a lot about uh, I tweet a lot about Star Wars and Marvel on my Twitter, uh, and I'll, I'll, in addition to sports. So if you're cool with that, then 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 I think you'll enjoy uh, following me. But other than that, I, I would say I, I just want to say this one thing to to folks because I'm sure you get a lot of young people that listen to these podcasts that want to hear from guys that have made it, that guys have had a chance to do it. I would say, look, I'm a I'm a Hispanic kid from the the, the South Texas border. I have no ties to the industry. I have no one no one in my family was in the business. Um, I had no one to be mentored by down here in South Texas. I knew no one to get to a level anywhere. I didn't know anyone at any network anywhere. And I've been able to do the things that you guys have mentioned here in this interview. If I can do those things, anyone can do those things. There's way more opportunities now than existed when I was coming up into the business in terms of streaming, in terms of like high school sports being broadcast, etc. Um, there's so many opportunities out there. It's just a matter of kind of like fine tuning your skills, making the contacts, uh, you, um, you know, using your networking skills and that'll help you get to that next level. I'm a big believer in dreaming big and, and making sure that you dream as big as possible. Cause those things can certainly happen. They may not happen on your time frame, but they can happen if you put the work in. All right, Alex, thank you for coming on. appreciate your advice for, for us and our listeners as well. So that's going to do it here for this episode of You Know I'm Right for our special guest, Alex, for my co-host, Joe. I'm Nick, and this has been You Know I'm Right.
Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com.